All right, all right. Now, Colossians chapter number one. Uh, we've been studying through this chapter, through this, uh, try to go verse by verse, and kind of got hung up in this verse 10 and got a couple different outlines out of this one, one particular verse. So uh, last week we learned, or the last time we was in this chapter, we learned about our walk, our walk, uh, which has to do with our behavior, right? Our conversation, our walk should be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, that's how we behave. Tonight, we're going to talk about our work. All right, say that with me. Our our work. Uh, God has expectations when it comes to our behavior, and he has expectations when it comes to our service. Somebody say amen. Amen. God expects us to do something for him, and that's what we're going to cover tonight. All right, Colossians chapter number one, and we're going to read verse four. And then skip down to verse 9 and verse 10, okay? Verse number 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. Skip down to verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it. Heard what? Heard of their faith. Heard of their salvation. Heard of their conversion. Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good what? Work. Work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So let's all read. Everybody in concert. Let's read verse 10 all together. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to serve you. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to come and to learn and to grow. And and Lord, just edify the saints so we can go do the work of the ministry. God, I'll praise you and thank you for all that you've done. Uh, Lord, it was a great, great productive week last week. Wonderful, wonderful services Sunday Lord, our our Hispanic service and training center, uh, God, you're just doing incredible things. And I thank you for that. And I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited about what you've shown me. Now, Lord, help me to share uh, with your children what you have given me. I desperately need the Holy Spirit to guide my mind and my thoughts. And uh, Lord, help me to make plain and clear your word tonight. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We got a lot to cover tonight, but I want to kind of, I want to kind of do a little illustration. Uh, I did this. I did this several months ago, maybe maybe uh, mid part of last year, uh, in one of the lessons we did. But I want to I want to revisit it uh, just for a second, and and I got little visual illustrations because sometimes when you can see it, it makes a whole lot more sense. How many of y'all would agree with that? Say amen. Uh, here's what we want to do. Uh, last week, if you remember, just to, I, I, I want to go back all the time and, and, and rehash everything so the people that hadn't been here the whole time uh, is not lost, but uh, I can't do it because i got a lot to cover tonight. So let me just give you a really, really, really small uh, 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 snippet of where we're at. Uh, uh, the, the people in Colossae, 
they are having some issues. They are having some struggles. Uh, one of Paul's disciples uh, that he has led to the Lord, who is instrumental in that church in Colossae, has come back to, to Paul and said, we've got some issues going on. Paul has never seen these people. Paul has never been to this church. Uh, he is addressing them and encouraging them uh, uh, from prison. And he says, listen, from the day we heard it, from the day we heard of your faith, from the day we heard of this church forming there in Colossae, we've been praying for you. We've been praying for you. Part of their prayer was that they would gain knowledge, that they would learn about God, who he is, the will of God for their life. Uh, he prayed for their walk, that their walk would be pleasing unto the Lord. And man, we covered all of that last time. But it, now he says, I want to talk to you about your work. I want to talk to you about your work. Uh, we, we, hear, we hear the word serving the Lord. You know, I want to serve the Lord or I'm serving the Lord. And there is a huge misconception about what it means to serve the Lord. Now, let me put it this way. I am tickled to death. I am thrilled to death that you are in this building right now. I've been preaching in it. Uh, uh, I've been preaching in it, and it's been an empty building. And I'm telling you, it is so much better when you are here. But I, I, I don't want to bust anybody's bubble, but you are not serving the Lord by being here. Some people have the misconception that going to church is serving the Lord. They do their secular stuff out there, and then they come to church to serve the Lord, that is the extent of their service to the Lord. And you're not serving the Lord. We are supposed to come here to be edified, to be educated, to be encouraged, to be lifted up, to go out and serve the Lord. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, I forgot I'm supposed to stay in the square. I'm in. All right, I'm in. Now, now, so let's, let's kind of define what it means to serve the Lord, okay? Now, look in your notes. If you have your notes right there in front of you, I want you to, I want you to look at this. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 11. Ephesians chapter number 4, and we're going to revisit this at the end of the study too. And he gave some, he's talking about the church. When he said some, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, why did God give these gifted people to the church for this purpose, so that they, those gifted people, could perfect the saints. The word perfect means, uh, it doesn't mean without flaws or without mistakes or failures. It means maturing. It means developing. It means equipping. Say that with me. It means equipping, all right? Giving them what they need. Why does he, what, what, what do they need it for? Look at the next part of the verse, for the work of the ministry. It is, the, it is the gifted people, the, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. It's their responsibility to equip the saints of God and to encourage and give them what they need to do, say it with me, the, the work of the ministry. All right, so little do you know, I'm a gift from God to you. I keep telling Tammy that, but she, something just not clicking, Amen. I'm a gift of God to her. I am, I am here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Now, when I am doing my part and you're doing your part, 
I'm equipping you and you're doing the work of the ministry. The body of Christ is edified. And the word edify means built up. Now, here's, here's what we need to figure out. Here's what we need to figure out because this is where the misconception comes in. What is the work of the ministry? What is the work of the ministry? Uh, we, have, we have a bunch of ideas what that means. Some people think going to church is the work of the ministry. That's serving God. But that's not it. That's not it. Let's let the Bible define what the work of the ministry is. I think that'd be the best thing to do, wouldn't you? So let's, let's see what is, what it, when he says we are to do the work of the ministry, what exactly is that? What exactly is that? All right, let's look what it says. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 18, top of your notes. And all things are of God who hath, what's that word? Reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now, we know what reconcile means. It means bring back together. So God the Father and us, right, who's being reconciled, we are, are brought back together to God the Father through Jesus. Does that make sense? Jesus came because we're separated from God. He said, your sins, your sins have separated you. Our God is light and in him is no darkness at all, right? We can't even walk in the shade. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Right? So we're separated from God. Jesus came to bring us back together, to reconcile us. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now watch this. Watch this. And have given to... Now who would be the us? Us. Right? The saints of God, the child of God, the, the Christian, the disciple, the Christ follower. So look at your neighbor and say, you're an us. Watch what he's given us. Watch what he's given us. He has given us the, there's that word. All right, in, in Ephesians it says the work of the ministry. What's the ministry? He has given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. All right, now let's see how that works. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Now watch this. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. All right, now watch this. Now he, now he, he kind of he describes it. He kind of helps you understand what that means. Now then, we, that would be us, the, the child of God, the, the Christian, the Christ follower, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. Now, let me give you, let me give you a visual illustration. Uh, 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 Brother Phillips, will you come? Since you're, since you're Father God, come on up here. Andy, they gave you Christian. I'm not sure that's accurate. But I see Phil, y'all's got lost sinners. That is accurate. Amen. I'm kidding. All right, stand right here. Stand right here. I'll, I'll stand away, get my six foot there. Stand right there here. We have Father God, right? Uh, God is holy, right? He is, he is perfect. He is light. In him is no darkness at all. He has created man, right? He's created man. Man messed up, did they not? Man sinned. And because of their sin, they have been separated from God. Does that make sense? So come on, sinner. All right. You're down there. You're not reconciled yet. All right. All right. Now turn and face the crowd there. There you go. All right, so we have Father God and we have the lost sinner. Now, they are separated. 
Right? Right? Now, now, but Jesus comes on the scene. Amen. Now, now you're going to have to put it around your neck because you're going to have to use your hands. You don't have to do that. All right, come on up. Back up a little bit. Now, you stand in between. You stand in between. Jesus came to this earth and he died. Thank God. He died for old, low-down, lost sinners. Aren't you glad God's saving sinners? Yes, sir. Now, watch this. He's the go-between. He's the reconciler. He's the reconciler. God the Father used God the Son to reconcile lost sinners back to Him. So, if you want to do this, y'all don't, y'all don't have to touch hands, but kind of, kind of turn, feel y'all, and kind of reach toward God. Okay, He can't get to God. God reached to Him. Now, now Jesus... Y'all don't have to act like y'all are. He's the go-between. He's the go-between. Does that make sense? So God the Father is reconciling or bringing back together lost sinners through Jesus. Jesus made it possible for lost sinners to get to Jesus or to get to the Father. Does that make sense? Now watch this. Now Jesus went back to heaven to be, well, the right hand of the Father. There we go. Jesus went to heaven. Now he gave the job that he has reconciling lost sinners to God the Father. Come on, Andy. Andy, Andy is the, the Christian. Now watch this. Watch this. Turn the face that way so the camera can see. Now watch this. Let me read it. Let me read it. God the Father has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though, watch this, as though God did beseech you by us. In other words, the Christian is standing in the place of Jesus. Now watch, this proves it. Look at the next phrase. Look at the next phrase. So... God did beseech you by us, we pray, this is, this is Andy speaking, this is Andy speaking, he's speaking to the sinner, we pray, we pray you in what? What does that mean? In his place. In other words, the Christian is, is begging, wanting in Christ's place, in his stead. In other words, instead of Jesus being there, Christian Andy's there. Because that's his job now. Because God has entrusted the Christian with the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of bringing people to the Father. The ministry of telling others who Jesus is, sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel, sharing your story, sharing God's story, bringing people to Jesus. If that makes sense, say amen. That is the work of the ministry. Everything we do here at Temple should be bringing people to Jesus. Whether you're holding a door open, whether you're pouring a pot of coffee, whatever you're doing, whether you're parking cars, you're saying, I'm parking cars, but the preacher's preaching, but we're doing both of this to bring people to Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Everything we do is to bring people to Jesus. The work of the ministry is bringing people to Jesus. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Now, give all them a hand.
All right, good job, good job. Got to hurry up and get to the outline. Great job, Jesus and God the Father, lost sinners. Yes, yes, and even you, Christian Andy. <clears throat> now, 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 I, I, can, can you see it now? Jesus is back in heaven. You took his place. Jesus was preaching. Jesus was going from city to city, village to village, preaching, preaching, preaching. Now, he is in heaven He has given you the responsibility. He has given you the job. Watch this. He's given you the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? The work of reconciliation. If that makes sense, say amen. Now we have to get that. Because we have to understand. We have to understand before we talk about anything else. And I got two pages worth to talk about. It's going to be good. I mean, it's going to be great. But you got to know what the ultimate deal is. It's reconciliation. Do you realize the whole Bible is about God saving sinners? It's a story of salvation. It's a story of God's love. It's a story really from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus and what he did so you can make it to heaven. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We have the job to bring sinners to God the Father in Christ's stead. Church, say amen. Now let's write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one. Number one, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. The expectation for our works. I've tripped over this too many times. All right. The expectation for our works. Here's what we're going to write write four things down real quick. We got got a lot to cover tonight, so I got to go fast, okay? The expectation for our works. Don't think that God saved you for the purpose of going to heaven. Because if God saved you for the purpose of going to heaven, you would check out of here the moment you got saved. If he's leaving you here on this earth, he's got great expectations for you. Would you say amen? Amen. All right, so let's look at that. The expectation for our works. A, write this down. We were created for good works. We were created for this. We were created for this. Look what it says. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Not only, not only were we created for this, designed for this, put together specifically for this, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, God's workmanship. He did the designing. He put it all together. Say, I don't like the gifts I have. Well, you have to talk to God about that. He's the one that puts you together. He's the one that placed you right where you are. He expects you to bloom where you're planted. Say amen. We are created for good works. B, B, we should be passionate about good works. We should be passionate about good works. Passionate is the word zealous. Look what it says, Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Now watch what his expectation for his children are. The expectation for Christ's followers. That they'll be zealous of good works. The word zealous means ardent. And, 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 and the word ardent means hot. Hot. Passionate. Excited. Zealous. What, what does that mean, preacher? It means that you should be excited to work and serve in the ministry of reconciliation. 
I see people getting excited about football. I see people getting excited about baseball. I get, I see people getting excited about all these things. NASCAR's fixing to start up. Man, they get excited about hobbies and all kind of things. But when's the last time you've seen somebody just could not wait to share the gospel with somebody? That's the way we're supposed to be. We have the ministry of reconciliation. And we should not just understand we have it. We should be excited about it. Let me tell you how to get excited about it. Actually do it. Actually do it. When you start sharing your faith, you get jacked up about it. Especially when that first person actually believes you and they pray and they receive Christ as their Savior. I'm telling you, you can't hardly sleep. You won't get excited about something you're not doing. Are y'all with me? I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get excited. I don't get excited about knitting. I don't, I don't get excited about crocheting. Now, if I crocheted, I might get excited about it. But I'm not going to get excited about something I'm not doing. Y'all see where I'm going with this? I, I, I'll do it when I get excited about it. It don't work that way. It just don't work that way. I, anyway, anyway, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Just, just chew on that a minute. What was A? We were created for good works. Do y'all see that in that verse? Amen. B, we should be passionate about good works. The work of the ministry, the work of reconciliation. C, we should carefully maintain good works. Maintain means to hold, to keep, preserve. Look what Titus, Titus 3, 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. That they which have believed in God, that means that's the child of God, the believer, the Christian, the saint, the Christ follower. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. When he says to be careful to, you know what he knows? If we're not careful, we won't keep, keep it up. We won't, we won't persevere. We won't, we won't follow through. Humanity is greatly known to start out hot and fizzle off. Especially in January. Do you know why, do you know why gyms make you pay six months ahead? Because they know you're going to quit by February. And they want to get your money. Say amen. He says, be careful. You got to keep it up. Because it is the work of the ministry. And if you're doing work, you get tired. Y'all with me? It's labor. It really is. So he said, but you got to be careful. You got to maintain it. You got to stay with it. If you're a child of God, D. All right. We were created for good works. We should be passionate about good works. We should carefully maintain good works. D. We should encourage others to good works. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another. Let us think about one another. To provoke unto love and to good works. Let me tell you how, let me, let me tell you how dangerous this, this pandemic is. Let me tell you how dangerous, and I'm not talking about catching COVID either. There's a lot of y'all in here that's called it. I've called it. A lot of struggle with it. We've had some go on to heaven from it. But you know what the most dangerous part of this pandemic is? It's separating people. It's separating people. 
We have people now that's comfortable with online church. There's no such thing as online. You can get filled in to what's going on, but it ain't church till you assemble. Well, I just don't think it's that big a deal. Really? Then how come when you go down the aisle in Walmart, people won't even make eye contact with you anymore? We're being divided. We're being separated. We're, we're, being, we're getting more isolated. And you know what isolation creates? Depression. Isolation creates more isolation. You stop feeling comfortable being around people. You stop desiring to be around people. Well, why is it a big deal? Why do I have to be around people? Because then you can't get here so I can encourage you to do good works. Do you see, this is a command that's not given to the preachers, given to one another. He said, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together, right? Why? So you could encourage, so you could promote, so you could help somebody else follow through with their good works. Does that make sense? You're not only supposed to be passionate about good works. You're not only supposed to be careful to maintain good works. You're supposed to encourage others that are beside you to do the same. When you isolate yourself, you don't get that encouragement. Now, I don't know about y'all. I don't know about y'all, but I'm seeing a lot of people falling by the wayside. Because the more you, the more you stay out of church, the easier it is to stay out of church. The more you miss church, the less you miss church. Now, I'm telling you, this is dangerous. We have to encourage one another. Hey, how you doing? How, who have you shared with lately? Man, is there, is there anybody? Uh, when, I got, when, I got home, when I got home this weekend, uh, Brandy, she was sharing with me about her being able to share her faith and, and, uh, with somebody. And she was, she was excited about it. And her, seeing her excited about it got me excited about it. And I got to tell her about one I shared with at the, at the restaurant up there in Minnesota and, and how uh, Brother, Brother Nelms was. And, and, and here we go. And, man, we was just about ready to go just go attack somebody I was encouraging her she was encouraging me and all we were doing was telling what we had done in the work of reconciliation but then you then you go and you see people on the street and I'm telling you I did an experiment today because I've been seeing this and thinking this I'm wondering and 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 I would on purpose look at them (laughs) over my mask and it never failed. Just as soon as you look at it. Man, I'm telling you, Satan is isolating people. He's dividing. And what happens? You divide to what? Conquer. Amen? So, take it for what it is. There's a great expectation. Can you see through all these verses that God expects us to be serving him? Serving Him, sharing your faith, bringing people to the Father through the Son. All right? This is something we are to maintain. We should be excited about it. This is the expectations that God has given us. Now, here's a, here's a, here's, this is going to get kind of tight, y'all. Uh, if, if you look tender-footed, you might want to raise your feet up off the floor. Because this is going to get serious. Watch this, number two. What was number one? The expectation for our works number two we see the look at some of these things that he says about our works 
in our service to Him. A, our works are revealing. Our works are revealing. What do they reveal? Well, they reveal whether you're legit or not. Let me show you. James 2. James 2 verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he have faith and have not works, can faith save him? Now, here's what, let me, let, me, let me tell you in Alabama terms. If a guy's telling you that he has faith, but there's no works to back it up, can that kind of faith save him? Can, can a kind of faith that produces no works actually save somebody? That's what that verse is saying. Watch, he goes on to say, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. In other words, if a man claims to have faith to be saved, but there's no works to support his claim, he's got a dead faith. It's not a real faith. It's not a living faith. Now, watch, he goes on even further. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And he said, I will show thee my faith by my Thou believest that there is one God. Whoop-de-doo. That's what he says. That's a good thing. Wonderful. But guess what? The devils also believe. Oh, I believe in God. Okay. That's great. But watch what else he says. He says, the devils also believe and are they, are they saved? No. No, watch. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without is dead. Let's, let's further explain it. Titus 1.16. Read the first line. All right, stop. That's that man saying, I have faith. That's the person you witness to. That's your neighbor. That's your family member. Oh, yeah, I have faith. I have faith. Never been to church. Never read their Bible. Never pray. Never share their faith. Never accomplish anything for Christ. This is what we're talking about. But they profess to know him. But look, at, read the next line. But, oh, oh, slowly, slowly, y'all getting ahead. But in what? Works. So does this mean that your works can reveal something about your faith? Oh, I profess. I don't care what you profess. Everybody professes. Everybody professes, especially in the South. Just ask them. You may profess to have faith, but what does your work say? You may profess to know Jesus, but what does your work say? If you have no works to support your profession, your faith is dead. It is not legit. Guys, this is important. This is important. This should make people want to check up. This should make people want to, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to, I need to, I need to start, I need to start really looking at my life. I need to start looking at my behavior. I need to start looking at my service to God. Your faith is revealing. Faith without works is dead. 
You're, 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 they profess that they know God, but in works, what does it say? They, they deny him. Listen, person, listen, listen. You may profess one thing, but your works are telling on you. The works that you do or not do say that you deny him. If that makes sense, say amen. Look at, look at, look at B. What was A? Our works are revealing. B, B, our works are recorded. Our works are recorded. This is, this is something. Revelation 2, verse 1 and 2. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now, now keep in mind, keep in mind, there's seven churches. I didn't put all seven because I run out of paper. So I just put the top three, but it's in all seven. It's this phrase, this phrase is in all seven letters. These seven letters were written to the churches there in Asia, which represented, uh, 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 really, you can use this as the church as a whole. He, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, I have been there, I am there, I walk up and down the aisles, I am very familiar with the church. Now watch this, watch this. Revelation 2, 1, under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The candlesticks represented the seven churches. He's all up and down. How many of y'all know God's up and down these aisles? He's very familiar with us. He's very familiar with our ministry. He's very familiar. Watch this. What's he most familiar with? First phrase. And by the way, this is the first phrase that he makes the statement in every single letter. The very first thing he says is, I know thy Revelation 2.13. I know thy Revelation 2.18 and 19. 19. I know thy in every single letter. He said, I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. I know you were all seven times. What is that saying? He is watching. He's watching. And he's recording. God knows what we're doing. Now, on one hand, that should get us excited. That should get us excited because the things that you do when nobody sees, he's watching. Listen, that generosity that you have that nobody knows about, that poor person that you helped, that homeless person that you fed, that person that you stepped out of your way to help and you didn't get the pat on the back, you didn't get the recognition, there's somebody that's watching everything you do. Say amen. You may not get it on this side, but he's watching I know thy works. I know thy works. I know what you're doing for me. I know, hey, not only does he know what we're doing for him, he knows what we're not doing for him. That's the negative side of this thing. That's the negative side of this thing. He knows. He knows if we're serving him. He knows if we're committed. He knows if we're sharing our story. He knows if we're witnessing. He knows if we've made an effort to bring somebody to Christ. Over 90% of all professing Christians have never shared their faith with an unbeliever. But guess what? He knows. He knows. Now, that carries on, that carries on to see. Okay? Not only 
is our works recorded, but C, our works are rewarded. Our works are rewarded. Watch this. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man, singular, it didn't say men, it said every man, singular. Every man shall receive, what's the next two words? His own. Watch this. His own reward according to, uh uh-oh. Now, I'm going to disappoint some of y'all right here. Uh, when we're able to do something massively as a whole, as a church family, it's really cool. For, for instance, our, our Project America. I could not have done that all by myself. But I contributed. So I, I helped. I was on board. And, and I was part of the team. And so when the number goes up and, and, and we're able to give and we see all these churches planted and we're doing all this and, and we can say Temple has been responsible for starting such and such amount of churches, winning such and such amount of souls. And because I contribute, I can go, woo! But if you didn't, you're not getting credit for what somebody else did. Well, well, why? Because he's watching. I don't know who gave and I don't know. I have no idea. I don't want to know. I do not know what nobody gives. I do not know who the big giver is. I don't know who the the little giver is. I don't know who the no giver is. Because I want to be able to preach it all, y'all. And and nobody can say, he's preaching me because he knows. I don't know nothing. I'm going to preach the same message to every person in here. Say amen. So I, I don't know that. But I do know this. He knows what I've done, what I've done, and I'm going to be rewarded for my own labor. You're not going to get credit for what Temple did. You're going to get credit for what you did. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be judged according to our, 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 our own labor. Right? Now, watch this. Now, this is significant. This is significant. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Now, Paul is saying the foundation is salvation, right? The foundation is Jesus. And then you build on that. Your works. He compares your works, your labor to gold, silver, wood, hay, and stubble, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Now, one is precious. One will burn up, right? You put wood, hay, and stubble in the fire, it's gone. It's ashes. The other just purifies it. Does that make sense? Say amen. Watch what's going to happen. Every man's work shall be made manifest. In other words, we're all going to stand before God one day and all of our works are going to be brought up and they're going to be judged. They're going to go through the fire. Say, why is, the, why is, it going, why is our works going to go through the fire? To see what kind they are. To see what kind they are. 
Now, I wish I could tell you I was spiritual enough to say everything I've done for God was for God. But I'm afraid there's been times in my ministry that I was full of myself. And I did it for what they would say to me. Oh, preacher, or what a sermon, or or whatever that might be. I know y'all would never do nothing like that. But I have. And do you know the things I did with the wrong motivation that was not for the glory of God? It's a hay bale. And it's up in heaven right now just waiting to go through the fire. And when I'm standing there and that thing that everybody was, good job, preacher, it's going to go up in smoke. And I'm going to suffer loss. I'm going to suffer loss. This is a big deal, guys. You know, we get all jacked up. We get all jacked up because we're not going to be at you know, judged at the great white throne judgment. I'm not going to hell. Amen. Woohoo. Yeah, but you forget. We're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. We're not going to be judged for our sins. Thank God for that. But every single thing you do after you're saved for God will be judged. Every deed, every act, every labor, everything you tried to do, He's going, to, he's going to check the motivation. It's going to go through the fire. And some of us going to burn up because we did it for the wrong reason. We did it for the wrong motivation. We did it for our glory and not His glory. But thank God there are times when we do le- really legitimately want to please Him and want to serve Him and want to bring glory to Him. And, and man, when those things come through, we're going to receive a reward. Sometimes, sometimes you suffer serving him. Sometimes you have to sacrifice. I was, I was talking with a dear, dear, one of our, one of our, uh, uh, our trainees, our Timothy's being trained. And he's wanting to share his story with his family. And they're most likely going to mock him. And I was talking to him Sunday and he had tears in his eyes. I said, you know, that's, 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 that's part of it. That's part of it. But I promise you, God sees every tear. And God sees every effort. And they may mock you on this side. But there's a great reward waiting over there. But it's going to, now watch, this is important. We're going to receive it according to our own labor. You do not get credit for what Temple does unless you did it. Are y'all with me? I, my, <laughs> there was a person, there was a person in, uh, in, in my dad's church down in Bethel. And uh, there was a project they was wanting to do with the, the fellowship hall in the back. And, and, uh, and this dude fought all the way. I mean, just, just tooth and nail, wasn't supportive, just wasn't, wouldn't help, wouldn't contribute, just fought that all the way with it. Well, they, they got it accomplished, and God bless, and, 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 and the project got finished, and, 
and, uh, and they had like uh, old-fashioned day. Well, our, our homecoming was old-fashioned day. Got to wear overalls and everything. And, uh, and, uh, and, and you know, some of y'all never wore overalls at church, and I can tell. <laughs> Say amen. Uh, but that's, that's when we did. And sometimes former pastors would come and be the speaker that day. I remember one specific time, I remember one specific time that this guy had the former pastor cornered and showing him the project and saying, look what we did. My dad wanted to lay hands on him in Jesus' name. In his mind, he said, what do you mean we? But you know what? That former pastor, he didn't know no different. He had no idea. As far as he's concerned, this guy here was a ramrod of the whole, whole operation. But guess what? God saw. God saw. Listen, God sees what we don't do, and God sees what we do. So if nobody gives you credit, if nobody gives you an boy, just trust me when I tell you, God's watching it all. And he pays back. You will be rewarded for the labor that you do. And all God's people say it. Listen. Every man's work, he will receive a reward according to his own labor. Every man's work shall be made manifest. In other words, it's going to be revealed of what sort it is. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereon, he shall receive a... If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. In other words, you're just going to get in by the skin of your teeth. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Because I used to think this till I learned better. Well, at least I'm in. I don't have no I don't have to have no rewards. I'm still in the pearly gates. I still get to walk on the street of gold and I still see the walls of Jasper and I still at least I won't be in hell. But there's only one problem. There's something else that's going to happen. There's something else that's going to happen. One day, we're going to get to kneel at the feet of Jesus and be able to present the rewards that we got and give them to who they truly belong to. And we'll cast our crowns at His feet. But some of y'all are going to stand there And have nothing to give. Listen. Don't don't live your Christian life with the motto, at least I'm in. Man, do something for Jesus. Serve Him today. Decide to help in the work of reconciliation. Because I promise you. There's coming a day. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. And you don't want to stand before him empty-handed. I don't, I don't think there's anything worse than being at a birthday party and everybody gives a gift and you stand there with nothing. That's 
And I know you know how it is, but you, even if you can't afford it, you still want to. How are we going to look standing before the one that bled and was beat to a pulp and was nailed to a cross and hung for six hours on a cross and bled and gave it up even though he was completely innocent and we were completely guilty and we're going to say, we didn't do nothing for you. We took your sacrifice, we took your pardon, we received your gift of salvation, but we didn't think it was a big enough deal that we should do something back for you. If you stand there with nothing to give back to Jesus, you know what you just tell him? I didn't do anything for you. Because what we do after we're saved, you don't do anything to get saved. That's the free gift of salvation. What you do after you're saved is what you're telling Jesus he's worth to you. Somebody say amen. amen. And if we don't do anything for him, he must not be worth too much to us. But I don't know about y'all, but... If, if does anybody watch does anybody watch Mayberry? Do y'all remember y'all remember the episode when when uh, it was either Gomer or Goober? I don't know remember which one it was, but saved Andy's or Andy saved his life. Was it Gomer? And Gomer just pestered the fire out of him because he felt like he owed him. Do you know what? Everybody in this building should be gomers. We should be waking up first thing in the morning and say, Jesus, what can I do for you? I'm so thankful I'm not going to hell. I'm so thankful that it wasn't me on the cross. I'm so thankful that you forgave me of all of my sin and you redeemed me by your blood. I am so thankful for what you've done to me. Can I serve you today? And all God's people see it. Amen. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Nine minutes. We're going to make it. If a man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Let's not just, let's not just get into heaven and that's all. Let's have something to give to Jesus when we get there. Lastly, what was number one? What was number one? Everybody say it, number one. How many of y'all can see that, that God has great expectations for us to serve him? And all God's people say it. Number two. Does that make some sense? God to kind of explain what it is he wants us to do. Now look at number three, the edification. What does he do for us? What does he do for us so that we can do something for him? That's what that means. The edification for good works. How does he help us do something to help him? What does he do for us so that we can do something for him? Look at here. A, God gives people to equip us. Remember I told you we was going to come back to that verse? God gives us people to equip us. Now, the job, the job is the work of reconciliation, right? We've done, we've done clarified that. The work of the ministry is the work of reconciliation, getting sinners to God the Father. All right, that's our job. Everything we do here, every ministry we do here should be focused and pointed to bringing people to Jesus, right? Now, now, 
So he gives us leaders in the church to help us get good at doing that. Right? That's what I'm doing now. I'm edifying you. I'm I'm equipping you. I'm teaching you. I'm showing you. We have DMD. We have DMD that breaks it down just as clear and concise. Right now, we have a team of people right now. They're learning how to share their story. They're learning how to share God's story. They're learning how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're learning how to go out into the community and engage the lost with the gospel to do the work of the ministry, which is bringing people to Jesus. That's what they're doing. And guess what? It's working. They're sharing their faith. People are getting saved. Uh, uh, we were able to see it this week. We, we saw it up in Minnesota. You know, this is happening. It's happening all around us. God gave you people. But guess what? You can lead a horse to water, but you... I can give you the tools, but you got to use them. I can tell you how to do it. I can tell Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Too many of us want to know more without doing what we already know. I want to go deeper. Have you witnessed to your neighbor? You don't need to go no deeper till you share your faith. The woman at the well. I, I, I've talked about this. We talked about this Sunday. We talked about this last night in Bondo Church. The woman at the well was saved for a matter of minutes and she's bringing the whole village to Jesus. You know what we have? We have a bunch of overeducated Christians. How you know they're overeducated? Because they're not doing what they already have. And that is one of the, that is one of the primary things with, with DMD is you don't go to the next chapter till you're doing the chapter you're in. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> That's good stuff right there, Rev. You just dropped the hammer right there. Plow it deep, right? This is the problem. This is the problem with the American church. We'll go across the world to conferences. We'll go to this seminar and that seminar. We'll buy this book and that training. We're all waiting for the next discipleship book to come out, and we won't do none of it. I'm telling you the facts. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we put up here to teach or to guide or to give. If you're not going to go do it, it's not going to do any count. So what, are you, what, are you, what preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying come here, learn, listen, and go live it. Maybe it's listen, learn, then live it, right? Are y'all with me? I mean, if you're not going to do that, why are you even here? Because you're supposed to come here to get edified, to learn, to grow. It's not just so you can say you know more of the Bible. It's not. Let's look at the verse. Let's look at the verse. Some of y'all looking at me funny. God gave us pastors, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. That's equipping, maturing, developing, so that the saints can do the... Wow. That means you're coming here tonight so you can be better at the work of reconciliation out there. Now, what happens if we all get involved in the work of reconciliation of bringing people to Jesus? The word edified means to be built up. You ain't going to have enough seats in here. We're going to have to meet in community centers because there ain't no room in this building. If we all start doing the work of the ministry 
And you can't say we ain't doing it because we, I mean, we're a year and a half in this training and there's people wide open doing it, but you choose to do what you want to do. Somebody said, well, I'll tell you what, preacher, I can, I, I, my wife somewhere over there, right there, my wife's right there. She can tell you this. If I want to do something, I figure out a way to do it. Period. And if I don't want to do it, I figure out a way not to do it. Are y'all with me? But God has given us these great gifts. Man, I'm telling you, I sat there, I sat there with Brother Nelms in that restaurant and, and just, you know, I've been doing this a long time, but he, he, him sitting there right there and, and, and the way he was doing it, the way he was conversing uh, and, and sharing the gospel and sharing his faith, man, it was great. You know what I was doing? I was soaking it all up. I was learning. I, was, I, I, had, I had a pastor call me when I went to uh, 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 New Jersey a year ago, whatever, and we went to check out uh, uh, Brother Dan Branley's church who started DMD. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm laying in the bed in the motel room, and this pastor of another church who looks up greatly to Temple, because at that time, really, Temple was the largest church ever to come out of the Bible college I went to. And he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm in New Jersey. He said, what in the world? Because he knows me. <clears throat> He said, what in the world are you doing in New Jersey? I said, I'm learning about a new ministry. He said, dear God, you got the largest church in the college. What do you need to learn more about? I said, you can't stop. You can't stop. I mean, we're, 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 you got to, you just got to. And so I'm sitting at this table and I want to be a better disciple maker. And so I'm watching and I'm learning and I'm growing. And you know what I did? As soon as he flew out to Cincinnati, I went back to the same restaurant. And bam, I did what he did. Yes, sir. You see, that's what, that's what you got to do. You got to come to say, I'm going to learn so I can go do. Say this with me. I'm coming to learn so I can go do. Amen? All right, hurry up. One minute and 30 seconds. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. A, A, God. Come on, everybody. God. All right, B. God gives provision to empower us. Now remember, it's to accomplish this work we're talking about. God not only gives people to equip us, he gives provision to empower us. Look what he says, 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly, thoroughly furnished unto what? There you go. He gives you exactly what you need. He gives you exactly what you need. You know what, you know what Brother Nelms, you know what he used to do the work of, of reconciliation in that restaurant? The scriptures. You know how he learned to do that? The scriptures. You know what pattern he followed? What he found in the... You know what all you need to do to accomplish the work of the ministry? Y'all with me? Okay. All right. One more. One more. I'm, y'all are so thrilled about tonight. Y'all can't wait. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what you're waiting on. A, A, God to equip us. B, watch this. I love this one. God gives promises to encourage us. Watch what he says. And this is, this, this is dealing with finances. Brother Travis, you'll appreciate this. 
He's talking about giving and generosity. He's saying, listen, give. Give, be generous. Why? Because God is, come on everybody, God is to make all grace abound towards you. That ye always, how often? Always having all what? Sufficiency in all things so that you can abound to? You know what that, let's just put it in plain terms. God said, if you will go do the work I've given you to do, I'll make sure you have everything you need. That's what that means. That means don't worry about giving. Don't worry about the offering you give. Don't worry about going without because my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And if you're busy about my business, bless God, I'll take care of your business. And you know what I've learned in ministry? That as long as I'm serving God, as long as I'm putting him first, as long as I'm trying my best to accomplish the work of the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, getting people to Christ, God has had my back every single day of the ministry. God has taken care of our bills. We haven't missed a meal. We haven't missed a bill. God has supplied every need. And you know what that is? That's a promise. That's a promise. If you'll make up your mind that you're going to do the work of the ministry, you're going to start bringing people to Jesus, God will make sure you're taken care of. And I promise you, that's a promise that will encourage you, especially when times get rough. Amen? What is, what, let's sum it up. Let's sum it up. We're done tonight. But let's sum it up. If you're saved, you got a job to do. Let's get to it. I don't, remember, I don't remember which football team it was. I can't even remember which football team it was. I can't remember whether it was college or pro. But they had one, Brother Jim, they had one sign. You know how in most locker rooms they have like different motivational speeches or signs or quotes all over? The, they had one sign. Nothing on the walls but this one sign. And that one sign said, do your job. You know what we need to do? We need to put it at every exit when you go to leave. Saint of God, do your job. The misconception, or actually there's two. One misconception is coming to church is doing your job. No, coming to church is to help you get better at doing your job. But the other misconception is, is that's what we pray the preacher for. He does the work of the ministry in their mind is so he can entertain us and make us feel better and then we can go home and then come back next Sunday and get our next fix. Right? No. It's not the way this works. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to teach and encourage you. You're here to encourage one another. Right? Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. He said exhort one another. Provoke unto good works. When's the last time you looked at somebody and said, hey, good job, buddy. Man, that was a good job sharing your story. That was a good job sharing your faith. Boy, that person you brought to Jesus, that's wonderful. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep sharing your faith. Preacher, I shared my faith and nobody got saved. No problem. You know what Paul said? I planted. Paulus watered. But God gave the increase. Brandy, Brandy was sharing with me. You know, she really wanted to see somebody saved. 
She got out of her car and said, somebody's going to get saved today. <laughs> she said it took two laps around the track before she had the courage to talk to somebody. But she was going to do it. And when she shared her faith, the person was already saved. She was kind of disappointed. I said, hey, our job is not to save anybody. Our job is to share a story, to be a witness. Y'all with me? Now, some are going to get saved, but some may take the next person. Perfect example. Miss Cindy, is Miss Cindy here tonight? Miss Cindy here tonight. Uh, Brother Travis planted a seed. You remember what I'm talking about, Brother Travis? Brother Travis planted a seed, and Miss Cindy, you know, she's like superwoman. She's just an incredible disciple maker, soul winner. She takes some uh, 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 young ladies that she's training and developing, and they go to the park. He didn't get saved with Travis. He planted. The, the ladies watered, but God gave the increase. But you know what? The one that planted and the one that watered, they're all going to get credit. Y'all with me? 